Monster Mash. That's all I got. That's pretty good. That's perfect for our story. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Daniel Lumpkin, our guest today. Uh, instructor, not professor, we've been told, but uh, teacher, Kennesaw State University, teaches a class about monsters and horror. Which is my ish. Yeah. As soon as I talked to him, we were talking about um, Unrelated me going to do a show in his hometown, and he told me about what he does. And I was like, we need to get this guy on the podcast because he and Aaron will become best friends. It was it was one of my favorite episodes for sure because I he do, he's so smart at explaining what I always try to explain to people. Uh huh. <laughs> and I'm like, no, horror movies is more is more than just scaring people and, and demons and monsters and werewolves. Like good movies, there's some great stories there that carry a lot of weight. Yeah, he's like, you're just like, is it's good, and he's like. <laughs> Well, you know, the there's a lot of trauma in people's lives that it sometimes is best expressed through horror, and it lets a sad story be more palatable if you surround it with jump scare. And it, he uses bigger words to say the same thing. Yeah, which I love. But it's great. So there's a lot of me going, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what I That's meant. what I've been trying to figure out how to put into <laughs> words. Yeah, it's great. Um, if you're not a horror fan, uh-huh. I'll say that word. you got to really nail that second R. Horror. Horror. Horror mm-hmm. fan, uh, you might want to give it another shot after this episode. I think that whether you love horror already or if you are resistant to it and don't understand why other people like it, this will shed some light on why those freaks like Aaron and now kind of me are into it. And there's a lot of value and there's a lot of art behind it. Yeah, you've become a big horror guy, which yeah. is why I want to let you uh, read the ad for today. Oh, yeah. Let's get th- our money today. Let me pull it up here from our email that the ad agency sent to me. Um, Okay. If you didn't know, I've become a big horror fan. More than a fan, actually. A participant. After reading many Stephen King stories and watching my fair share of spooky classics, I've decided to try my hand at horror writing. Introducing my new novel, which is totally fictional and not based on any real-life people or events that I wish happened, The Massacre at Stanley Manor. In this terrifying page-turner, you'll meet Alex, a homeschooled and hilarious kid, as he navigates the tumultuous home life of having a scary pastor father that turns into a werewolf whenever he is upset. Watching a non-G-rated movie or saying crap could be the difference in enjoying family dinner and becoming family dinner. Father says to Alex, If you would have been a preacher, I would not have to become a werewolf for the Lord. (laughs) I mean, Alex does not like when his father says this. I... I mean, Alex does not like when father says this. I, I mean, Alex enjoys telling jokes, and that is a real profession. Will Alex, his two siblings, and Alex's beautiful Latina lawyer girlfriend, I mean, Latina lacrosse player girlfriend named Ada, Ada, be able to defeat his brutal werewolf pastor father and avoid the massacre at Stanley Manor? Find out at your local Lifeway Christian bookstore today. I can't wait to read it. 
Yeah, I put a lot, a lot of, a lot of myself into it. Yeah, very creative. I don't know how you came up with such yeah. a, a far off story. I believe Lifeway is out of business, so we're gonna have to find somewhere else to sell it. Even spookier. I know. You show up to the store, and they're like, "It's been closed for ten years. We only <sighs> have one book left, <laughs> and it's not gonna be good." Oh, that is. Uh, that's what happens when you forget to write the ad. I love it. Lifeways are probably all spirit Halloween stores now. Which Whoa. is kind of a the circle of life. Circle of life. Mm-hmm. The opposite of Lifeway is evil. The circle Costumes. of death. Circle of death. Um, speaking of circle of death, how's your life going? <laughs> <laughs> what you been up to? You know, pretty good. I've become obsessed with pickleball. I put it off for a long time because I knew I'd be obsessed with it. It's sweeping the world. Yep. It's become a big thing. It's great. It doesn't take as much room to play. You can do... It's like small tennis, right? Somewhere between tennis and ping pong. It's little T. Lil T. Lil T. Everybody loves sweet tea. This is Lil T. Uh, yeah, it's tennis, ping pong. This is that with a wa- wiffle ball? Not a waffle ball. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. A wiffle ball. Waffle ball sounds delicious, though. So it doesn't... I'm probably going to try to make that. It doesn't bounce as far. You know what I mean? You don't have to run as much. You don't have to run saying. as much. Yeah, it's a great time. That's pretty great. Yeah, check it out if you haven't. Um, who Are you making new friends? Do you have pickleball friends? Or? Uh, my friend Matthew plays. So okay. I've been playing with him. Um, our old friend Annie Minio plays oh, a nice. ton. So I we'll play with him soon. Cool. Thanks for all the invitations. Yeah. Well, you're never here. That's fair. We are we are podcast co-hosts. We're barely friends at this point. This is my only day in town this whole week. So the good thing we're here doing this. Yep. Uh, what about what about you? What's been going on? How are your shows? I've been traveling. Went to Alaska for two days to do a show. Where was that? Too far. It's too far to go for one night. It was yeah. ten hours there, ten hours back. Too much time. And in what there. was the show? It was like a fundraiser thing. And inside, in I feel like Anchorage. everything is outside there in Anchorage in a school. And uh, it's the off season in Alaska where the days are very short, they're gonna get shorter in the winter. But like, wait, off season for what? You can't just say off season for hunting? like tourism, like uh, people tourism. aren't really going, going there right now. People go in the summer because the days are long and it's warm and it's starting to get cold. I get twice a year just to try to shake Sarah Palin's hand. I know, I was trying to find her so so much mm-hmm. and. She was nowhere to be found. I was yelling her name. People were pretty upset. Mm. Um, but uh, lots of adventurous travel. I stayed at a pretty nice hotel because it was a lot less expensive during the off season. So yeah. that was fun. But um, had a hard, had a diff- strange travel times coming home. I the Uber picked me up from the hotel and was taking me to the airport. And it's this guy, this Alaskan guy, and he's uh, he's blaring metal music. It's like five thirty in the morning, and. I get in and I've been in the car 15 seconds and he hands me his vape and goes, you want to hit this, bro? Oh. I, I just got in his car. It's 4.30 in the morning. And I was just like, oh, I didn't. Just, I still wanted to be polite, you know, <laughs> even though it was outrageous. And I was like, oh, what's in it? And he goes, oh, just THC. And I was like, what do you mean just as opposed <laughs> yeah. to what? That was the most extreme that option was as you had. as extreme as I thought there was even available. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I already had so much in my room earlier. <laughs> um, and he goes, cool, cool, cool. Uh, how about music? Do you like music? He's already playing music so loud. And I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. It'll help me wake up. I thought he meant like, is it cool if I keep the music at this level? And I said, yes. And he cranked it up to double that. And I, you know me, I'm not assertive. But I was just like, dude, no, sorry not that you say that yeah i said you got to turn it back down and so i let him take it back to the already insane high level proud of you character development and then the whole time he just kept everything he said made me more and less and less comfortable first of all he's smoking weed while driving me to the airport actively and then he goes uh 
it's going to be a range day today. I'm going to go to the range later. And he was not talking about golf. Or a farm. Or a farm. He was not going home on the range. He was going to the gun range. And um, there were diapers in his trunk, too, when I put my suitcase. This guy is the most interesting <laughs> man I've ever met. And I'm ter- I can't believe I made it safely. We got to the airport so fast. He was driving so fast. Great. What kind of car? Um, I wish I remembered. I could look back at my... No, it's fine. First time I've ever given a driver less than five stars. <gasps> I was like, if I'm not going to give this guy less than five, who am I going to... So you did four. This guy, I did three. Oh. I was really proud of myself. I was like, this guy was actively smoking weed. I gave him three stars because he did offer me some. That is Which nice. was really nice. And he, he was, you know, very kind. He was just insane and maybe deranged. Yeah, and it's dangerous. If someone does something dangerous, so da- it was if so it's dangerous. awkward, that's one thing. But there's a lot of danger involved, yeah, and never, that's not good. Yeah, I felt like I got put in unnecessary danger. And I'm not going to make him stop because I need to go to the airport, but it's an adventure. But then my day, sorry, I know we need to have a fast intro. We had a quick turnaround, got a lot better because I got upgraded to Delta One, which is the lay down, nice, fancy seats, which I was really excited about. And on a 10-hour flight. Well, it was was the second leg. So the first leg was to Seattle, but I got the lay down seats Seattle to Atlanta, which is like five hours, which is great. Um, But I sat next to the smelliest lady I've ever been around. You'd think in Delta One... Sweet smelling, rich people. Is it worth it at that point? I it, it didn't really kick in until the second half of the flight when I woke up from my nap and was like, "What is that smell?" And I think I think it's this lady, like bo. Yeah, and she was kind of a character. She was having me show her how her seat worked and all. She kept talking about all her injuries and stuff. And sounds bad. That sounds worse. Yeah, I was around the strangest people that day. It was wild, but I'm back. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, going to the circus tonight, which you went to earlier this Good. week. Good. Now, now around some normal people. Yeah. Finally, get some normal people. Yeah. Going right. to the circus to get a, <laughs> a some relief. Yeah. You know, I did that. Cirque du Soleil. It's yeah. uh, curious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's fine. Is it nothing I should extremely look forward to? I I feel like there's so many Cirque du Soleils, and we've seen so many clips online that this the traveling small one. It's not that shocking. I don't know. There's not that. There's a couple things where I was like, whoa. Let's Everything see. else was just kind of golf clappy. I feel so bad saying that. These I people know. put their lives into were it. born in Russian factories and <laughs> have become like super athletes and could do insane things. Yeah. I am going to lose my breath going up the stairs in a second. Okay. So like- t- take everything I say with a grain of salt. They can do flips. I can do flips, not without being underwater. It's tough when movies are so good now, and then you just go and you're like, "Oh yeah, this isn't even as good as a movie." I paid a lot for these. These tickets are not. They're pretty proud of those tickets. So I'm really hoping it's. They just had an off night while you were there because we're going tonight. Yeah, well, I did the thing two weeks ago where I didn't know they're that expensive. I was just kind of dumb in yeah. that way. Uh, second date, I was yeah. like, "Let's go see the circus." She's like, "Yeah," and then so I looked at the tickets and I was like, "Oh no, I'd thought- already gotten a commitment." She thought you were going to propose, probably. Oh, this was bad. It was a pretty heavy second date. Yeah. And it, yeah, circus is a. I feel like that's a fun date, though. Yeah. I went on a date fun. to the circus like six years ago with somebody. And that worked out. Didn't work out. All right. But, um, well, fun. Well, I guess I'll report back on my circus experience next week. And there are some creepy elements a little bit there. Yeah. 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 We should have a circus person on. I thought about DMing a couple of them. I got some names. Are we going to have a circus freak on? Cut that. <laughs> well, not now. But now they're going to not come. Come prove us. Pro- 
tell us about how it is impressive and I want to know about the lifestyle. Yeah, where do they did they sleep there? I think so. There's like trailers back there, like nice trailers. Yeah, like movie trailers, not like horse trailers. No. Did you see Nightmare Alley? I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you should see it. It's scary, kind of. Okay. And it's a, the whole first half is about a traveling carnival circus oh. and their lifestyle. Well, speaking of scary movies, this episode has got lots of references to them. And uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Daniel's awesome, super smart, um, looks at kind of cinema and storytelling in a way that we, or at least I had not really thought of before. And it's fun to get to hear about how he loves to teach students about the thing that he loves. So please enjoy this interview with Kennesaw State instructor Daniel Lumpkin. Um, Daniel Lumpkin, welcome to No Worries If Not. Thank you. You are our second Kennesaw State faculty member yeah. to be a guest. We had the the head athletic trainer for the football team, and now kind of the opposite. Somewhat. What, you, what is your official title? We, tr- we tried to call you a professor, and you corrected us and said <laughs> yeah. you've not earned that. No. You're not going to steal the valor. Yeah, uh, it's uh, inst- instructor, instructor of... Um uh, of English, of composition. I love it. So, I love it. And you uh, graciously... The reason we're having you on today is because you love horror, just like Aaron. You guys are both freaks. I'm outnumbered. Yeah, you said, you said horror. Just yeah, to make horror. Sure. Got it. Yeah, I try to just blend it as much as I can. Yep. Um, and you're gracious enough to send us one of your lectures from, you know, t- Tis the Season yeah. for horror. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I loved getting to listen to it. I have one quick question for you before we start getting into the horror stuff. Um, do you is the audio quality of your lectures a punishment to the students that don't attend in person? Uh, yeah, I don't typically do that. Um, I thought it was. I thought it sounded perfect. If you ask me. Uh, no, I, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you trying to listen to it. Uh, yeah, no, school is not set up for great podcasting like like we have here. Um, so yeah, no, I did my best. No, it worked out great, but I was just like, I wonder if this is just to encourage people to attend in person. It could. That's a good incentive. Um, yeah. You know, it's also a horror class. It should be horrifying to listen to, I <laughs> think. So. Yeah, for sure. I did text that to Andrew. I was listening to like the New York Times, like the Daily, you know, yeah. and then I was like, all right, I'm going to need to separate. I can't go straight into that <laughs> just because the audio feels a little different. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. You're going to need to listen to like a radio station from a neighboring county <laughs> to get in, get in the mood. Yeah. Let me but drive to Dahlonega real quick. The content, though, was fantastic. Oh, well, and thank it, you. And it made it worth it. So, um... So what is the class? What are the classes that you teach? Is are you just focusing on kind of horror in this season, or is that the whole class, or how do you kind of do all that? Well, um, so I teach. I've taught the horror and monster class every semester I've been there, and then I also teach. A, it's like an argumentative class. Um, it's eleven oh two, so I'm only incoming freshman, um, but eleven oh two is kind of understanding what arguments are being made. And then how to provide counter or how to see if the arguments hold water. Um, not as interesting as my horror one. but That would be um, helpful for my marriage. It could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It might hurt some things, though. So you might want to be careful, you know? Yeah. You don't want to be too unbalanced in terms of who's better at arguing. Yeah. But she's an attorney, so I actually need to kind of get up to her level. Oh, you need to do a lot of homework. Then. So I might yeah. need to hear one of those lectures. Okay. I can send it. Well, it's going to be pretty bad audio quality. So prepare <laughs> yourself for that. 
Um, but this is your favorite time of year, just like Aaron, right? Like this is kind of horror spooky season. Well, okay. So I love horror, but probably different than he loves horror. Probably different than most Whoa, people. What? Because you're an academic. Yeah, no, you, I'm you not can never academic. understand the way. And I'm a Daniel. sociopath. No, is that, is that why? Okay. Um, what I found is actually the students that don't like horror that kind of run away from it are the ones who appreciate my class more. Um, mm. You know, because generally when you have students who love it, who appreciate it, uh, what's going to happen is they're not going to be able to think about it as critically. Mm. They already have a relationship with Jason Voorhees to the point where they're not going to look for actual meaning within those types of stories. They're looking at it as entertainment. They're looking at it for other various reasons. What I think the value of horror is, is you actually learn um, tremendous lessons. There's a reason why almost every ancient culture has these stories. Um, you know, you think about Hansel and Gretel, right? There's a witch in the woods that will eat you if you go into the woods. It's a kid's story. This is something that um, parents told their small children. They didn't necessarily believe there was a witch in the woods. What they were doing is they were trying to preserve innocence while explaining how evil the world could be. Mm. So that's why it's important. Um, and then moving from there, you can start to appreciate the things that horror does well. There are certain cultures where the stories don't really translate outside. And then there's certain horror where the, the stories translate in almost a, a horrifying way. Um, every ancient culture has a vampire myth. The vampires are different, right? Um, in Asia, the vampire myth, you kill it with silver. That's prototypical of what we would experience in the West with uh, werewolves. Mm. Yeah. Um, in the Middle East, particularly like, like the Jewish vampire myth, it's always a woman, right, um, who's the vampire. And that's because if you're going to be Jewish, the only reason why you're Jewish is because your mother is Jewish. So you would have these women telling their young boys, be careful of the women who aren't Jewish. The shiksas is the Yiddish term, right? And that way that they can have good Jewish grandbabies. Wow. They preserve their culture by incorporating these things into their culture. This is exactly how I look at horror, so I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> Aaron has said all this before. Yeah, I, I said that um, in the last episode. You should have listened. I don't know. But that is, it's so interesting, and it does give you me, someone who doesn't like it, It may, the way you talk about it makes me so much more interested, like you're saying, because it's like, yeah, horror is a tool in culture mm-hmm. dating back to as far as we can remember, yeah. and it serves to, for better or for worse, make usually children... <laughs> afraid of stuff that is dangerous or that they don't that the the culture doesn't value Mm -hmm. and maybe they can't understand the real reasons they don't want them to go into the woods yet or it would be traumatic to actually learn those real reasons more traumatic than a witch that's going to eat them yeah but it's something they can wrap their minds around and make them afraid of something that they're not ready to understand why they should be afraid of yet yeah and um so i'm gonna start doing that yeah well i mean also some religions yeah yeah aka all yeah, you know, there's the big spooky bad guy. Like I don't know, there's there's the same kind of dynamics there. Right. Well, that, well that's the other interesting thing about uh, horror stories is it talks about the mysterious, right? Um, science fiction does this as well. You delve into the arena of the things that we will never know. Primarily, that's going to be death, right? Religions do that too, right? They try to have an answer for death. We're never going to have it. Um, but then is the is the unknowable knowable, and how do you? How do you walk away from it? Or can you walk away? Um, Within science fiction, typically you can walk away from it and you can be better. You know, you can change the world. You can change the universe. Within horror, you're lucky if you walk away. Yeah. 
Stakes are high. That is true. Uh, and kind of like you're talking about, people that don't like it kind of tune in more. They have a reason to kind of dive in. My favorite thing is when people say they don't like scary movies. Yeah. And then that's a challenge for me. And I'm like, I disagree. I mean, you know, I, I know it means no. Yeah, right. <laughs> but gonna, in this case, I'm like, hold, hold on, let me ask open. some questions. Like, I'm going to assume you saw something that just ruined you when you were young, mm-hmm. you know, or it's like, hey, if, if you're a Christian, like you saw some demon movie that like really got to you. I was like, there's all these different subgenres. I have my gateway drug movies that I give to people. Kind of like you a little bit. You're like, all right, I watched that and I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a way in for everybody. Well, there's something so great about being scared in a safe place where you are scared, but you're not in danger. Like you get the adrenaline and you get all that stuff. And it is like once you learn to kind of enjoy it, it's like going on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And it's that same type of thrill. But the problem is I don't have bad dreams about roller coasters <laughs> for months after riding them. Yeah. So you have to find what you what can scare you in the moment, but is not going to haunt you. Right. Well, that that's the other beauty of of these horror monster stories is almost universally we can say that bravery is a good thing. Um, Go braves. So, <laughs> so how do you how do you practice that? How do you practice being brave? Because there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to say, "I wish I had been brave," or that's going to be a time when I need to be brave. Yeah. And how do you practice that in a safe environment? Roller coasters are a great way, but also within almost anything that um, kicks off your fight or flight instinct, but you actually aren't in harm are generally good experiences for that. Um, That's why uh, it's a form of therapy, uh, immersive therapy, I think. Mm -hmm. So you're terrified of heights. You and a therapist work really hard to the point where you're getting on a hot air balloon. You're practicing being brave, overcoming this thing. And probably within horror, the main thing that, most people are overcoming is their fear of death. Yeah. Man, what a great advertisement. Everybody's going to go watch horror movies after this. I know. I'm kind of psyched is, this up. Is the best. I'm like, I'm going to be brave. I'm brave. Yeah. I'm going to do it. You've had a lot of immersion experiences. It's good for me. I feel like going from homeschooled to anywhere with girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's all growth, right? Anytime you're brave and you do something, you experience something new, it's, it's a, <laughs> you grow, you know? Um, <laughs> But uh, I love it. I love that it's you're equating it to bravery because that really is what it is. It's like, why don't you like horror movies? It's because I'm scared. And yeah. it's like, but you're not in danger. So it actually, in a lot of ways, is healthy to put yourself in that situation. Yeah, and, I'm, and I, have a, I have a personal belief, too, of um, that I, th- I think evil does exist. Um, and that's just m- my own personal opinion. And there are great writers, um, Flannery O'Connor, uh, great Catholic lady, she wrote really dark, twisted horror stories. Uh, Southern Gothic was her expertise. And people would ask her all the time, like, if you're such a good Catholic, how do you write these very violent, very dark stories? She says, well, there's two reasons. One, it's because I'm such a good Catholic that I can. But also, it's because um, for the blind, you have to paint very large, or the nearly blind, you have to paint very large pictures. Mm. For the nearly deaf, you have to shout. And she believed that modern Western culture was forgetting that evil existed. So as soon as you experience it, you're not going to know how, how to deal with it. Um, there's another psychiatrist, uh, M. Scott Peck. He wrote um, several books about this, but he talked about dealing with evil people. And um, his belief was you're, the first side effect of dealing with evil when it's not um, something that you're prepared for is confusion. And so you need to be able to experience 
these things so you aren't confused by it and you know how to respond to it. Um, it's kind of a call to arms, call to action. I mean, and it, and it falls into the whole dichotomy of um, the genre of horror itself. It's really a, within film. It is this thing that really is aimed for high schoolers, teenagers, because it practices this almost gender theory of men being able to like show that they could be protectors, like the audience members, and then the women being able to find the person that can protect them. Hmm. Now that goes against like you know a lot of modern women, uh, feminist theory, but it's still something that holds a lot of water. That's fascinating. I love what you're saying about her saying, "Hey." I believe evil exists, and I think we're forgetting that. So you have to shout it at people by yeah. showing them these big examples. It's like uh, you got to microdose evil, yeah. so that you have it in enough of familiar with it in your system, so that if it presents itself one day in a major way, you're not lost or confused. Yeah, and that's what Flannery talked about a lot. Yeah, and if someone's not religious, you know, someone writes a demon story, and you're like, okay, that's just a fairy tale. Yeah, might as well but be. if you're deeply religious, those are the people who can mine that material for like, this is what I'm actually scared of. Yeah. Like, this is actually a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes sense too that it, to, to target it at teenagers because there is that dynamic. I mean, everybody can picture a horror movie and there's the teenage boyfriend and girlfriend in the theater and, you know, he's being the big strong guy and she's being the guy who's like, oh, protect, protect me. Mm-hmm. And it, um, and so many great horror movies are based around teenagers because it's that vulnerable time, but they still can behave like adults. And one of the things I really liked about your lecture is that you broke down the traditional archetypes of a horror movie, specifically the cabin in the woods genre of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that was so interesting. Well, uh, it's actually something that's brought up in that film, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Um, just the major archetypes that... You know, if you've seen one of them, you've seen them all. You you understand the archetypes within the film. You have the um, the fool, you have the athlete, you have the scholar, you have the whore, and you have the virgin. And as long as now that was not horror, that was horror. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the horror, the horror, horror. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as long as uh, you you uh, you've seen one film, you see kind of the blueprint for the rest of those films within that genre. And it's, it's interesting because you think of horror and you think of this thing that um, kind of pushes the boundaries of traditional ideals, right? You're seeing violence. You're seeing usually sexuality on screen. You're seeing uh, cursing. You're seeing all sorts of stuff, depravity, human depravity. But really what it's enforcing is this idea that um, if you follow the rules that you were given, you can survive tragedy. You can survive these things. That's my approach. Um, I can't really speak for everybody in the field. Yeah. And then there, to go off of that, you were saying that there are rules. And I guess, so you're just saying this is the cabin in the woods genre, but obviously the movie Cabin in the Woods is kind of winking at the audience about Mm -hmm. that genre, right? And so they play into all those stereotypes super hard. But there's lots of movies that fall into that category, and there are rules that the audience kind of knows that the characters have to play by. Mm -hmm. And if you break this rule, then you die. And if you don't, then you can continue. And remind me what those rules are. Well, and they talk about it also in Scream, which is a, it's a different subgenre, but also a slasher teen movie. Um, If you have sex, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, If you have any form of... They told us that in middle school church too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they did. Um, If you have a health class in homeschool... (laughs) 
if you have any uh, arrogance, right, um, based on your mental abilities or your physical abilities, uh, strength or uh, intelligence. And so that's like, how would that manifest? That's like, we're fine. We can go down here. Like, I know we're talking about I'll protect anybody, anybody yeah, who's arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be right back. Get behind right. me. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, things like that. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah, you said if anybody says, I'll be right back, they're dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Except for the Terminator. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting one. So he says that in the first one or the second one. I can't remember. I want to say second, but that's, I don't know. Because the second one, he completely shifts. That's true. There's a great David Foster Wallace essay about um, criticizing those movies because it's he said like the second one was like taking the shark from jaws and making the shark a good guy yeah mm. uh, because schwarzenegger went through this phase where he wanted to become like a leading man right and so he they completely rewrote the script he was he was the shark in jaws and then they made him like somebody who was likable and tame so like a pet shark that's killing a bigger shark yeah yeah cool. which is different than darth vader who like redeems himself at the very end yeah I was yeah. trying to sound academic. Okay, so yeah, the arrogant uh, guy, our arrogant person, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. And so they fit into these archetypes too. Like the whore is the one that has sex and the athlete is the one that's arrogant. Mm-hmm. And then what are the sins of, the, then there's what, the fool and the scholar who are also going to die. Why do they die? The fool indulges in foolish behavior. So you generally see drinking, drug He's use. The comic relief usually in mm-hmm. the horror movie at the beginning, pretty yeah. heavy. Yeah. And somebody who's seen as uh, just unwise, just dumb. Yeah. Right. But typically, like, and that's why I like the Cabin in the Woods film so much is the individual who played the fool wasn't actually a fool. He was, you know, a, a very strong academic who also happened to partake in those things. They just needed him to fit within those that parameter of the rules. Yeah. Um, and then the Virgin, of course, uh, you know, the person who basically plays by the rules the entire time. They're the ones that have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. The and, final girl. Yeah. yeah the final will. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so once people know that in their heads, which we all do, if you've seen any horror movies, that tees up creative people to really play on the tropes, which is what Cabin in the Woods does perfectly, Scream, Scream. Um, Barbarian recently. Did you see that? I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to watch it. You it should came, watch it. it came, I think it just came out on HBO Max, maybe. There's a place you can stream it now. Yeah, and it one of my favorite ways they play with things, it's not, this isn't a spoiler, but Bill Skarsgård and Justin Long, Two actors that you think you know them. Yeah. Just, it's not what you think from them, which is awesome. I love it when movies do that. Yeah. So these tropes, any any movie that plays with them, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right, I'll check that one out. Yeah, it's great. Um, cool. All right. So that's Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And Cabin in the Woods is a good movie. I remember seeing it. I think it came out in like when I was in college, like early in college. I remember we watched it and that was one of the first like horror movies that I liked. And it, I didn't know that it was going to be kind of a, a wink at this format. So mm-hmm. I remember watching it and just be like, this is just a classic horror movie. And then without giving anything away by the end, it's like turned on its head. Crazy. Sigourney Weaver shows up. It's like, yeah, yeah, no it, bonkers. So that movie, um, there was some funding problems. I think MGM had it, but they also shelved it for a while. Cause they just, they didn't believe in it. They were just like the only people that will like this are people who like horror films. And if we advertise it to them, they're going to be disappointed. Hmm. Right. Because, or not disappointed, but anytime there's like a unique take rather than, because a unique take is a risk financially. Right. Um, and that was a unique take. They advertised it poorly. I don't think it did well. It should have done a lot better than it did. Yeah. That is one of my gateway films. Yeah. Because I'm like, the first half is scary. Like they do the cabin in the woods stereotype so well. Yeah. Like it, it's, 
it gets me a little bit. And it's like Chris Hemsworth before he was like wildly famous, uh-huh. before he was like Thor and everything. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you said that, I was like, that was him? Because I remember watching the movie, and I don't think I thought anything of that being him. Yeah. And one thing I didn't know before listening was the that they shelved it for a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they filmed it, he was probably no one, or just starting. And yeah. they wait three years, and he was exploding. I'm sure his team was like, dang. Yeah, it was before the steroids kicked in, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, he, it's like Thor comes out, and then, the, I don't know the timing, but they were probably like, this is not how we thought this yeah, was going to go. Yeah, the studio was like, oh, we have a Chris Hemsworth movie sitting on the shelf? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care. What's it about? Who cares? Put it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm trying to look through my notes. I took notes. This is the first guest I've ever taken notes about. That's weird. I'm I'm like trying to cheat a little bit. I love one of the other things you said is that, and I guess I knew this, but I never thought about it, but in like a vampire movie, they never call them vampires. Yeah. And in a zombie movie, they never call them zombies. I love that they have to dance around those things. Yeah, they do. It's funny. It's part of the rules, though. Right? You can't acknowledge it. But it's funny because if it was realistic, everybody would be going, zombies! Yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, they would never... Yeah, but is so, that a freaking zombie? It's like, oh, that's... They're drinking blood. That is a vampire. Like, yeah. everybody... It's like, you have to imagine a world where people don't know about that very well-known monster. Well, that's innocence being lost. Okay. You know? So it's like, you don't even have a name for it. It's so evil. Right. We know like Andrew just it. got married. He knows all about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Because I'm trying to, I was trying to think of all the different names people, movies have called zombies, right? Like, so The Walking wa- Dead is the walkers. Walk, walkers. What Chom- are, Chompers was one similar chompers. recently. What was, what was World War Z? I mean, it's Z, so I think they might have yeah, said Yeah, they might have. I don't know. I, I forget. I just don't remember them saying the word zombie, but. Well, it's again, it's, because, it's now a trope because it happens so often. Yeah. So I feel like now the powers out of it and you can say zombie yeah yeah i think 28 days uh later was runners runners because they were the first that was like one of the first times we saw them as sprinting like that's way scarier yeah um what's the one um with like woody harrelson zombie land zombie land yeah they but they're they're very much one of those movies that's playing into the tropes Mm -hmm. and they have like all the classic well they talk about the rules and they have their own rules exactly are you sure that they call them zombies in zombie land i don't know if they actually do maybe it's just the title i think they call them zombies (laughs) right they do yeah yeah um abraham lincoln vampire slayer classic (laughs) they say the v word for sure they say the v word Yeah. yeah but it is interesting in those classic tales they don't even want the audience to have the familiarity of a name like that, or at least they don't want the characters in the film to be able to define the evil as clearly as they would if they just called it what we all think of. Well, it's also you see it, and usually it's very uh, it's establishing shots in the movies. It's always like headlines or um, you know news news shots, and it's it's just like undead back to life. You know, like it, yeah. it's like we all have a name for yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every newspaper would be zombies one word exclamation <laughs> yeah. point in yeah. reality. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, looking through. One of the cool things, too, you talked about, I was expecting your lecture, is this is a, the title of it was what, Monsters? Or is it kind of monster That's our textbook. That's the textbook. Yeah, so we, we have a Monsters textbook that we read from primarily. But you went back deeper into kind of lore and history and talking a lot about King Arthur and mm-hmm. kind of the, the monsters within those types of stories, too, even though we don't think of a lot of those stories as horror stories, there are the villains and monsters that kind of create all the tension and drive the plot forward. And a lot of the same principles from a horror movie still apply to those types of stories. Yeah. I, I so uh, with the lecture that I sent you, our, our reading that, that week um, had an essay by Jeffrey Jerome Cohen. 
and he mentions just in passing, um, I forget the and what he said in text, but he was just saying like this is very similar to Sir Bors's impossible decision, and I had no idea who Sir Bors was, um, and so I started looking into that story and I said, well, this this doesn't really connect. This isn't going to connect with my students at all unless we actually go through and understand who this guy was. Um, and, you know, when, when talking about horror, we're talking about the mysterious. And within King Arthur, you're, you're dealing with the mysterious. I mean, we have this story that we we know primarily is fiction. But then there, there are elements. Because it's so old, there have to be elements of, um, of fact within it. There were several King Arthur figures. Um, and then if you look in the really old, old texts, um, there may have even been a Merlin-type individual who, if you look at the early fiction, Merlin wasn't even a wizard. He was just an advisor. He was just a wise man. And then in more of the modern iterations, they started making him like magical, but that's dealing also with the mysterious. Um, but with the, within Sir Bors, you had, you had an individual who, time after time, he, you know, he had subscribed to these rules early on, and if he followed the rules, he would get to the Holy Grail. And then as soon as uh, he starts to be challenged by that, he's basically given the choice of, you know, go against the rules and do the right thing or, you know, follow the rules, technically also the right thing. That's why it would be an impossible decision. Yeah. Is your dog okay? Yeah, he's hyperventilating over there. I think he's he's uncomfortable with all this horror talk. Let me open that door and let him get out. You guys you guys talk about your favorite horror movies. Yeah, well, hold on. Second. I'm going to get to that. But I do need to bring up uh, Rate My Professor. Okay. <laughs> have you looked at your profile? Yeah, I have. Five out of five. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. 97% would take again. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, did they, I heard they removed the chili pepper yeah, that from was like, the hot teachers. That was like 75% of the reason why I started teaching was the chili pepper. <laughs> you just wanted to get one? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, Dude, that whole system is crazy. I remember that that was just as important to me as like choosing my major was like finding the professors that people liked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a better format for students. Um, I mean, we do... We do uh, reviews at the end of the semester where students, but it, that only goes to faculty. That doesn't get advertised. The only thing besides rate my professor is word of mouth. Right. Um, so I uh, know I've been I've been lucky to have students who want to participate on there. Um, you know, towards after COVID, you can clearly see this line where it's like, you know, you don't have to go to class or something like that, and that was just COVID changes. So yeah, you're seeing students like, oh wait, oh attendance is mandatory, but it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah, I do just want to read one. Please, it's great. Please, um, I would say although I am freshman, that's not great. <laughs> I would say although I am freshman, Professor Lumpkin, Professor, yeah, yeah. P word, Professor Lumpkin will always be one of my all time favorite teachers. My only regret is not going to all of his classes. His class format is centered around horror slash monsters, and even as someone who loves the genre, I always learned new stories. I loved going just to hear the monster story of the week. Yeah, okay. I love that. I wrote that one, so yeah, that, yeah. You can just go write your own reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? you can. And you even said, even though I am freshman, just to throw everybody yeah, off, yeah, you know? look real. Yeah, you yeah. got to cover your tracks. A yeah, little bit. that's great. Make some grammatical mistakes. No one will ever suspect the English professor, teacher, instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Well, what Aaron has talked a lot about his favorite horror movies on here, and some of his like he likes to say gateway horror movies to get people involved, but. When you have a student that maybe takes your class and doesn't know if they're really into this, but they're interested, do you have anything you point them towards to kind of get them 
in the door? Um, so that's kind of why I do a monster story of the week. Um, what I try to do with my monster stories of the week is I try to find the main theme or the main idea from our reading, which our readings are usually older texts, um, vampires, uh, it's going to be Dracula or, um, vampire with a Y, I forget the author or Frankenstein. Um, so what I try to do is find a main idea and then connect it to a modern story. And it might not be a good introduction, but if you're going in with a different purpose rather than just to be scared, but like, oh, I'm trying to connect this to the lecture I heard, then it, it comes off a little different. Like I remember, um, like my first career, uh, was in journalism and I just, before I would, I would always have a huge hesitation going up to somebody and just starting a conversation with them. But then as soon as I became a journalist and I had a reason to interview anyone, I felt like I had a license to kill. Like I could just go up to anybody and talk to them, you know, because I found them interesting. I had a reason to do it. Um, and so I, I feel like advertising that to the students who have a hesitancy, if they have like a, like a job or a responsibility beyond just entertainment to push forward and kind of explore an area that they typically shy, you know, shy away from, it can be more beneficial to them. That's a really good point. Adding something other than just entertainment makes everything more interesting. Like even if something as simple as like if you read a book, you want to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Like even though I wouldn't have wanted to see that movie before. Um, but even listening to your lecture and talking about the movie Cabin in the Woods, I was like, I need to rewatch that because mm-hmm. I want to watch it again through this lens. Oh, cool. Thank you. And so that totally makes sense that you telling those stories would make students more interested in watching movies they might not otherwise I love it. You're doing you're doing the good work. You yeah. think so? You're yeah. evangelizing yeah. horror. <laughs> I think. Well, I, I you know it goes back to the idea. I think there's extreme meaning in these stories. Yeah. And um, anytime you have meaning, it's the thing that can get you past um, the one thing that we all experience in life, which is suffering. And so, as long as you have meaning, it pushes you through the suffering, and then you can help other people. Most of them do have those meanings. Then sometimes I just saw Terrifier too. Oh wow! Have you seen it? I know about it. Have you seen the first one? No, I'm not going to see that. Movie. Why? <laughs> okay. Because you know that it's well, it's shallow. And like, just... well, yeah. What's the meaning of it? That's why I always have to look into like the writer, or the director of the films. Yeah. Um, if the, if their sole purpose is to make people pass out and have those headlines and all that, then that's great. They're great at what they do. But if there's a if there's a true storyteller trying yeah. to tell something that is important to them, that's the stories I like to see. Um, that is what I prefer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Terrifier Two, yeah, it is a murderous clown. It's directed by a special effects guy. Oh, cool! And so it is just gratuitous yeah. violence and gore. But like, it's very funny. Had a great time, but it's so low shallow. budget, right? It is very low budget, cool. but it's been crushing. Yeah, at least for the budget. The movies that Daniel likes are like a finely crafted cocktail, and you're just like shotgunning a natty light. Absolutely. Well, just, hey, I both. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you like? Both. I love a cocktail bar. Yeah. You're just a horrorholic, a caholic, horrorcaholic. Sure. Yeah. That's okay. it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I do want to talk about your favorites, but I do want to know what has scared you the most. This is where I get to my prop. Yeah. Aaron brought a prop today. Show and tell. Yeah. It is uh, the H24 Hereditary screenplay book. It's very but nice. they, they have some like articles and stuff. People wrote about it. Wrote yeah. about it. I will say Hereditary is, I think, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Okay. So, uh, what, what, what scene stuck with you the most? You know, there's several. I remember, honestly, the one where he's in class and he's looking in his reflection mm-hmm. and it's just not looking the same as he looks and smiling and like the possessed version of him scared the crap out of me. And then he actually broke his nose. Yep. 
Terrible. on the table when he slammed oh, wow. his head. He broke his nose. Yeah. The actor did. Yeah, that Alex makes Wolf. it even way scarier. Yeah, and I mean every so many scenes in it when they catch on fire. I hate <laughs> when she's in the ceiling. Um, I mean, hey, I, I, uh, I could, uh, spoiler alert. I, I guess list, we'll say now. <laughs> I could list a lot of scenes that I think about. Okay, all the so time. that's a perfect transition to this. Okay, great. Uh, so this is an Aaron's show and tell. This is yeah. At the end, there is an article by Leslie Jameson. She writes for the New York Times or something. But she writes an article called Love and Terror about Hereditary, and she says, I have come to suspect that everyone has a horror movie perfectly tailored to the contours of their psyche, like a jigsaw puzzle piece, a film uniquely positioned to frighten him or her more than any other. Which is, you found yours. Yeah, I might need And that's also person. hers. You should read this. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what are, Daniel, the movies that have gotten to you the most? Mm. Um, probably... That's a, that's a great question because it's actually something I do with my students too. Um, especially the students have a bad relationship with horror or none at all. Uh, you know, I ask them like, what was the first rom-com you ever saw? Mm. And it's hard to pick. But when I ask them, what's the first scary thing that, that you saw? They can name it immediately. Yeah. I, it scarred them. Um, for me, I think, uh, like I saw Jaws when I was five. People debate whether that's a horror film or not. Yeah, it's, um, it's a monster, monster movie. It is. Uh, the reason why it generally isn't considered a horror film is because um, the protagonist, he decides to go after the monster, hmm. right? Which you wouldn't really have a movie otherwise. But um, he gets on a boat, even though he's afraid of water, Captain Bro- or uh, Chief Brody, and he goes out to try to take down the shark. Um, that was the first one I saw. So what would a normal horror movie be? The shark walking onto land and... Just running away. Yeah. Yeah. Always uh, always avoiding the threat. Like, just trying to survive. Right. Um, I think uh, The Strangers was one that stuck with me in high school. Yeah. I Honestly, I, I just saw the trailer. Yeah. And I've had many nightmares about it. <laughs> well, it's, it was also one of those films, like, I don't know how old you guys were when it came out, but when I was in high school, it came out, and it was one of those things where you would hear... You'd hear people talk about it and be like, "Yeah, that was based on a true story." Yeah, you know, and it's like, "Is it true?" Because that makes it worse. So worse. But where did you hear that? You know, um, I think The Conjuring is really effective. Yeah, I like James Wan a lot. Um, clap I'm, game, clap game will get me. That's a great one. Or even um, so, his use of jump scares is really interesting. That film. Um, there's a scene. Uh, one of the little daughters, her like leg gets pulled in the bed. She wakes up. She thinks it's her sister in the same room. She realizes it's not, and then there's a weird sound coming from like a cabinet or closet. And they look over, and I think the door starts opening. And so you're like preparing yourself for the door. Mm-hmm. And then the monster's already above the door. And like, there's the sound. And like it, that's what gets you is like you, you can't really prepare yourself for the threat because <laughs> the threat is always, already there. Yeah. Gosh. And one of my favorite jump scares of all time is Insidious, his movie, where you first see the demon creature darth maul yeah yeah darth maul <laughs> right behind I've patrick seen pictures, wilson seen yeah. pictures of that because you're it's one of the most unexpected jump scares i've ever seen yeah because they make a noise or is it just visual it's just visual, it's just I, visual. I, I think there is a sound but the character itself is not is not seeing they're it, they're right? talking around the dinner table nothing scary is happening yeah. they're having a dark conversation like what to do Gosh. and then it's just there right behind his head and you could not be expecting it any less yeah, yeah. It's well done. It's great. He's great. He's great. I like him. There's that, and then there's the Haunting of Hill House. 
That, that jump I scare in the car? In the car. Yeah. That I remember Anna and I were watching it right, right when it came out, and we were at her apartment watching it, <laughs> and she screamed so loud, I was worried we were going to have to go talk to some neighbors. <laughs> You're going to walk out yeah, and be like, I didn't do anything? I've never heard her just scream, like, fear, you know, just like... And it, was, it scared me. It scared me more that she screamed so much. Yeah. You know, and then you're just like so unsettled. Well, that's what I love about Mike Flanagan. Almost everything he's doing right now is showing like what horror can actually be. Like, um, there's a movie reviewers are called Red Letter Media. They're really good. Um, and they talk about like how he's creating his own subgenre of film uh, of horror where it's like it's like almost like character based horror or emotional horror mm-hmm. because you forget it's horror. Because you're just connected, to, like in that jump scene with the car, you're just connected to this family that's breaking, right? And they're already broken from one loss with their mom, but they're breaking because of other things that they actually have not dealt with for a while. And so it's this, um, like each each adult, of uh, 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 each adult version of the kids is a representation of grief. Hmm. Um, I, I went. Uh, everything he does, though, is like what I consider like the best form of horror right now because it connects you to a story it's not just the mere experience of like terrifier 2 although i'm sure there's great merit in that Mm -hmm. i just haven't seen it yeah but what mike flanagan is doing is like you can you can you can tell the stories that nobody wants to tell um like an example i use in my class is i talk about two films uh one's called uh spotlight searchlight um it's uh have you seen it spotlight yeah with Michael Keaton? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the journal, journalism. Yeah. yeah. So, Boston Globe. So n- nobody really saw it. It wasn't really a, a movie made to bring in a lot of money. They just got awards. It mm-hmm. won every award it was yeah. up for. Yeah. Um, I watched it twice when I first saw it immediately. Really? I loved it so much. I, I saw it. I think it's perfect. I think yeah. I just saw it once. It's a, it's a great film. Um, but it's not like they could advertise that movie and get people to line up around the block to go see a, a film right. about horrible things happening to kids. Yeah. Right? So you compare that to another yeah. movie that's... Honey, talk- it's Saturday night. Want to yeah. go get, feel bad? <laughs> <laughs> so you try to compare that. Say, like, well, what's a movie where you can do that? You can basically talk about the same thing, but people would actually want to pay money to see. Yeah. It's it. It's you have an entity in town. The parents either know about it and can't talk about it, or know about it, and won't talk about it. But it's something going after the kids, doing awful things to children. Everyone saw that movie. I mean, it was the highest-grossing R-rated movie I think yeah. since maybe ever. I the Daredevil or uh, Passion of the Christ is definitely one. As a horror film? Oh, oh no, 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 R-rated horror film. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the highest-rated R-rated. Aaron only knows that because he lost it in trivia the other 100%. day. <laughs> it's true. It's hundred percent true. <laughs> Um, that's so interesting because horror is a vessel to get people to look at something hard George and R. R. it makes it yeah. more digestible for some reason because it's like a reason beyond just going to look under the rock mm-hmm. and see what's squished under there well George R. R. Martin has um, we go through this um, introduction he, he has a he has a uh, science fiction horror story um, and is an inter- in his introduction he writes about why we like monster stories and his approach is we crave monster stories beyond those things. We, we crave monster stories because they allow us to hold up the black mirror to ourselves, to see the things that we desire, yet those are, like it's almost this Jungian idea of the shadow, what your, what your shadow desires. Um, uh, Carl Jung had this idea of the shadow being like the self-destructive version of you. Everything that you would do that would 
destroy yourself basically um, self-indulgence uh, ruining your life all of that thing that's the shadow and most people go through their whole lives if you read about it what what you do with your shadows you ignore it you try to pretend it's not there um, and then really where growth and maturity happens is you have to say like no that's actually me the shadow is me and I've got to be able to he calls it embracing the shadow um, Mel Gibson had a had a take on it where it's calls it hugging your cactus have you heard that story uh-uh. so uh it's, it's a really cool story robert uh, downey jr had just gotten out of prison um i think he served like two or four years or something it's crazy yeah and he he was untouchable in hollywood couldn't have a job and uh, mel gibson was a producer and he was supposed to star in this movie and he and he i don't think he had a relationship with him before but he said um you're i'm gonna give you this part i'm gonna put a roof over your head i'm gonna you know make sure that food's on your table and uh you know gave him a job revamped his career and he goes why are you doing this for me you know and he said you know it's uh you've got to learn to hug your cactus like and the rule is you just have to do it for the next guy hmm. and so then everything happened with mel gibson right like all the anti-semitic stuff and uh, robert downey jr got a lifetime achievement award and he said the person that i want to introduce me is mel gibson and so he's telling the story and then he goes so, since he told me that, and he probably didn't realize that he was going to be the next guy, yeah. but I'm going to ask everyone in here to forgive him. And that was hugging the cactus and like realizing, like, yeah, we all have done wrong things. We've all gone places that we shouldn't have gone. We can understand that's an individual, even though the things that he said were awful and terrible. Um, he wasn't hugging his cactus at that point. We need to be able to say, like, we're going to move on from this. And it was, it was, I, I love that story. And, you know, horror actually gives you an opportunity to, to do that, which is why it's also valuable. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There's, <clears throat> there's so many dramas and love stories, which will destroy me, but then, yeah, I'll, I can watch just terrible things happen in a scary movie and it's totally fine. That's so strange. <laughs> you know, like Manchester by the sea. Have you seen it? No, no, no. I don't want to spoil anything. It's special. It's a it's a great movie. Casey Affleck. It's it's a great drama. Not a, a horror movie. Not a horror movie. It's just a very sad drama. Yeah. Um. And I remember afterwards, like, I couldn't sleep after that one. Hmm. Yeah. But then I could watch someone getting terrified, played, too. you yeah. know, in a horror movie, Jeez. and it's just like, haha, and go to bed. Yeah, you're broken. Strange. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's amazing. I love it. Um. Then you brought a game for us to play. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about that. I don't know if it's us. I don't think you're going to be able to. <laughs> oh, well, I don't have to play it. You basically want to test Aaron's knowledge, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he I seemed love to. It. I mean, yeah. You can play, too. I mean, I'll see if I can if I can chime in. I might have one thing of trivia for you. I mean, this is all based, like, I, you know, stereotypes, I guess. But um, we'll like, see. Did you watch a lot of VeggieTales growing up? I did. Okay. Yeah, I've, never, how could, I've never how could seen you an have episode, guessed? dog. <laughs> All right, I'm hardcore. All right, um, crazy. All right, so what's the game here? So I'm going to. Should I give you the year? Uh, So I'm going to pick a couple things of trivia. Okay. Right, I already have them picked out. I'm going to read them to you. Uh, Anything that would like be a dead giveaway, I remove. So directors' names, actors' names, and um, I might give you the year, and then you guess the movie. Okay. So these are horror films. I am like a soulless freak sociopath mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm a historian when okay. it comes to film so i might this might be bad but we'll see all right we'll, we'll see. see 
I don't. Um, okay. Let me see. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the year for this one. Let's okay. just see. 2004. All right. All right. Horror 2004. It was a freshman in high school. All right. All right. Yeah, good. That's helpful. Um, it really is. I can think of the movies yeah. that came out then. So the, I have two pieces of trivia. Okay. One. Danny Glover shot all of his scenes in two days. Saw. You nailed it. It's awesome. Uh, the <laughs> second one is no external shots in the entire movie because they couldn't afford them. Yeah. Okay. Wild. Oh, that's crazy. That. Saw one. Um, but I did know Danny Glover is such a tiny piece. Of that so movie. small. Yeah. 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 But I thought I was going to get, okay. get, get it by you. All right. One for one. Uh, I saw, I've seen every Saw movie other than Spiral, the new one, in theaters. Really? <laughs> Not proud of that. That's crazy. Most all of them suck. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they have cops in front of them? Like, I, I'm trying to remember what movie that was. They're opposite for it. What do you mean? In front of the theater? Yeah. Like, you couldn't go in. They had, they all, like, I forget what horror movies. When I was in high school, there were certain movies that they had police officers at the door. So you'd have to show your ticket to the ticket guy, but also to the cop so that you could go in and see it. <laughs> to keep, like, younger kids from oh, going in. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's correct. Like a bouncer? Kind of. That's crazy. Yeah. But armed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny. If you try to get too scared, we're gonna shoot you. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was an old marketing ploy. Um, Alfred yeah, Hitchcock bet. did it with Psycho. He in, he enforced it because yeah. he he wanted media and marketing. To I love that. Yeah, it's too scary for kids. And I lo- we got to see. Yeah, it. and like like Terrifier Two, it's happening now. They'll like get TikToks. Right, people passed out in the theater. Yeah, and Paranormal Activity did that, where they just have yeah, you know, night vision cameras yeah, and yeah. like the scariest thing I've ever seen. They mm-hmm. never show any of the movies. Yeah, brilliant. they show the crowd. Yeah, smart. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, all right. This should be another easy one. Uh, the 1999-2000 hunting season suffered badly due to this film. Uh, the movie is so popular that fans all over the country were going into the wilderness and shooting their own style films. Oh, I bet I know. Oh, Blair, Blair Witch Project. Project. Yeah. All right. Also, Jaws. I love the facts on how that killed tourism in beach towns. Oh, yeah, yeah, Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. yeah. For like two years, people were like, oh, we're not going in the ocean. Yeah, we're not going in. <laughs> Everybody's sunbathing. Nobody's in the water. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that Blair Witch would scare hunters. Yeah, I didn't think about hunters. Well, no, it was scaring like wildlife. So like when you hunt... Like you, deer, deer watch Blair Witch? What do you mean? So people would be <laughs> marching through, right? And like I, I've oh. only hunted a little bit, but it scares the wilderness or the the wildlife so much that they're not going to be in their, their typical area. Oh. Because so many people were going into the woods trying to make their own version. Yeah. So they all, like deer only eat dawn and dusk. Right? Yeah, and so unless it's a full moon the night before, they're sleeping throughout most of the day. Unless they hear a threat and then they run off. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to wake up early or wait till sunset to to shoot. And then there's all sorts of rules involving hunting. So people would watch the movie, and then what exactly would they go do in the woods? Either try to film their own, or they would try to like in those areas. They would think that they were real. Like th- oh. that was a big push too with Blair Witch. Is everybody thought it was real? Yeah, they yeah. they didn't explicitly say. Well, they, they, they said, it, said was, it was real. Yeah. How they oh, they said it, it was said, like, real. like, we found this footage. It was one of the first found footage. Oh, films. You're like, what? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. They just lied. It's a perfect setup. It's just been yeah. done to death now. Yeah, now it has. You know? Uh, let's see. Um, also, I did that. I, I, Me and my friends would go film dumb, scary stuff like that in the woods in middle school, or we'd film jackass stunts. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two things <laughs> we rip off. Yeah, both of them were horrifying. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, DreamWorks wanted to remake the entire film with a better with better known actors and a bigger budget, and include the original as a DVD extra. They didn't do this. Ooh, and contains no opening or closing credits. This might be a really tough one. I can Whoa. give you the year if you want. No opening or closing credits. With better so known it's cast. a it's movie a little with... known cast that did great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, give me the year. And it turned out being better. So I had to go back and re- redo this because IMDb had it a few years before, but the main release was 2009. I was going to guess around then because Dream, DreamWorks is in its heyday then. Oh, can I ask some yes or no questions? No? No. Okay. Um, what I know it? Is it like a well-known one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shoot. It is, is it Paranormal Activity? It is. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I wish I, I brought prizes. No, DreamWorks is what was throwing me off. But that makes sense. Yeah, because no Interesting. one... Interesting. So they... Heather Featherstone. I remember that's her name. Yeah. For yeah. some reason. But it's way scarier to not know the actors. Yeah, it feels like it could right? be real. It yeah. feels like it could be real. Yeah. And that's that. That's what worked with Blair Witch, too. Yeah. Like, that girl, she doesn't act anymore. She said that movie hurt her career. Because they didn't even look at her as an actor, probably. I, well, so that was, like, the first time you saw, like, kind of, like, this media event of, of new media, like, found footage. And so... You know, they advertise as, as real. If you went to high school at the time when it came out, everybody knew it was real. Um, so, you know, I, and I also think typecasting, like the girl in Paranormal Activity, really hasn't done a whole lot out, outside of that, outside of that, what, a part, part six, seven film franchise? I don't yeah. know. But yeah, that's interesting. Let's see. Uh, so some of these are, it's tough because, um, you know, some of the IMDb trivia is very scarce. Right. Uh, so we'll do... Uh, so the antagonist, I'd edit that out, has less than seven minutes of screen time. Also, on the suggestion of the writer-director's daughter, who is annoyed that the woman, that the women in the previous movies, in his previous movies, trip and fall all the time while being chased. So this director made the heroine much less vulnerable and clumsy. Is it Halloween? It's very close. No. It's got to be something where it's really focused on the monster to where the protagonist is hardly in it. Or Friday no, 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 the antagonist is hardly Oh, the antagonist. antagonist. Okay, got it, got it. Um, okay, so you rarely even Not see Friday it. the 13th. No. So, yeah, so it's like a slasher that's barely in it. Yeah. You just see for a little bit, like Halloween. Yeah. Because Jamie Lee Curtis was smart and not tripping everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's a great guess. Yeah, it's close. Is it 70s? Like... No. 80s. Well, 80s, yes. 80s. You want okay. me to give you the year? Sure. 84. What are the other big slashers? Jason, Freddy. Oh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice job, man. Nice pull. Getting them. Um, okay, here's one. VeggieTales. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I only have one piece of trivia on VeggieTales. I love it. Uh, Maria Bamford is uncredited. As oh, voice. Maria Bamford's in Veggie Tales. Mm-hmm. Oh, I won't. I'm so impressed by that, but I don't know it. It's not on IMDb. I heard her mention it, and yeah. then I looked, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not sure if She's I can not include that." But um, yeah, she, what did, did she, uh, she did like early ones. Who did she play? I don't. It's uncredited. Oh, she was just in it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's our. That's the uh, Veggie Tale. Um, I love that the comedy Veggie Tales. This one, my two I, favorite things. I think you both would be able to get this one. Um, Let's see. Uh, when Henry Winkler opens the closet, his black leather Fonzie jacket is uh, from Happy Days is seen hanging in it. I know it. I'm waiting. Uh, is Henry Winkler in a horror movie? I don't know. Caller ID was increased threefold after this film. Oh, gosh. Was it um, uh, the one about the babysitter in the house? Uh, I mean, it starts with that, kind of. I forget. What is it called? What is it? You say it. We talked about it already. 
Oh, was it, oh, it's um the strangers? No? Scream. Scream. Oh, that's Scream. Scream. I've never seen those. Oh, really? They're no, so fun. Never have. Those are a lot of fun. Like they're more entertaining than I I think yeah. scary. I honestly kind of did your role a little bit where I did a uh hosted a premiere of the new Scream recently. Oh, yeah. And I did a slideshow of all of the Scream movies and nice. did like a 3 minute catch up on the plot. It was a blast. Cool, just in yeah. a theater, in a full theater. Just yeah. Oh, wow. It was that's fun. So fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I love those movies. Yeah. The uh yeah, I never You would saw like those. that. You would like that one. I know. I need to watch. I know I need yeah. to watch them cuz they're funny and uh yeah. What's the one about the babysitter who gets the phone call? That's probably so broad. There was another movie that came out in high school that was always scary to us. Is it like the it's coming from inside the house? Yeah. Movie. Yeah. That's when a stranger calls. Un- when a stranger calls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When a stranger calls. Was the original called Unknown Caller? Something. It was yeah, a remake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it a thing where there were like automatic lights in the house? Where the if you were in a room the lights would come on then you could see that like lights were on something like something. that I yeah know. I remember most seeing of that these theaters. I only saw the trailers okay <laughs> well you're well versed in the trailers yeah um, all right this uh, is my favorite thing in the world I would do this for I know we could do this so <laughs> oh two hour episode sorry guys how all many right. can I do I've only had a few left is okay that right? yeah, yeah that's sure. right we're good all right uh, a rare mark for a horror film everyone in the beginning of the film is alive at the end excluding a pet. Marley and me. We did talk about that. <laughs> that um, is a fact about Marley and me. Um, you want another hint for yes, this Yes, absolutely. Several female critics were negative about the depiction of the mother and son, stating that mothers wouldn't treat their children like that. Many women thanked the director after seeing the film, saying that being a mother is hard and it would sometimes give them negative thoughts. Negative thoughts about motherhood. Cujo? That's a good guess. That's a, that's a really good guess. Rosemary's Baby, also good. Do you want all the, the year? humans survive? Yeah, give me a know. year. Twenty fourteen. Oh, not Mother. No. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? I, I saw the opening. You don't need to. Yeah. Gosh, that's. I watched five people walk out of the theater at the same moment in that movie. Yeah, crazy. That's uh, a Genesis story too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole it's the whole timeline of Earth is the deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It starts with Genesis and then goes through global warming. Gosh, and all that stuff. you told me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no interest. Um, okay, mother hardship. There's a group of people. I'm struggling here. They all survive. 2014. I know I'll know it when I hear it. Yeah, but you will. We got another clue, or is uh, it going to give it that's away? That's it. That's it. I only do two. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. I don't know. The Baba Duke. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. I was that. talking about that recently. It's such a good movie. That's a great, because it depicts grief. Yeah. Like you are really talking about grief, the loss of a spouse, the loss of that kid's dad. What is a Babadook? What is the a monster? It's just like creepy kids book that kept showing up. Oh, but then okay. it was like also kind of in the house, but it was grief of the father, yeah. right? That they yeah. kind of oh, trap okay. in the basement. Well, then it turns into, um, what is that? Uh, like you start hurting your kid, but then like you... Present it like you're trying to take care of the kid. Um, it's like some kind of syndrome or something. Mm. I don't know. After a loss? Yeah. Uh, well, it's not even after a loss sometimes. It's just like oh. uh, parents like the attention. It's shown in the sixth sense. Like the, yeah. Um, I, but there's some... It's almost like parental Stockholm syndrome a yeah. little bit. Yeah. 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 Huh. There's some term for it. I forget. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, to get the main actor in uh, the correct agitated mood, he only ate cheese sandwiches for two weeks. He hates cheese sandwiches. <laughs> That's on IMDb. That's is, all I got. Is this The Shining? 
that is the shiny. Whoa! It feels like feel it just feels right. It feels like he'd need to get agitated. And I feel like I heard so much about um, the director like being crazy, yeah, to act like ruining didn't Shelley she Duvall's ruin life. her life. Yeah. Like what scene was it going up the stairs? Yeah, and they made they made her do it like uh, fifty times. Yeah, he was known for doing a lot of excessive shooting, but he also um, he was really like the worst to her. Yeah. Like he really wanted her to like she says that she's extremely grateful for the opportunity and that what he did got her in the right mindset, but she would never go through it again. Yeah, yeah. like as an actress, he got the best performance possible, but yeah. it like kind of personally ruined her life. And it was Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said afterwards that where he made her do it like fifty times, that horrific walking up the stairs crying, swinging the baseball batter axe, yeah. whatever, that he felt like he got it after like three or four takes. Yeah. And he what? did it that many times to break her down for the rest of the movie. Just for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's like... It, it would not fly nowadays. No, that's like Could the movie... Uh, uh, what's the drum movie with J.K. Simmons? Whiplash. Whiplash. It's like whiplash type, like yeah. evil. I'm it's not get, quite trying my to get the tempo. best out of you, but that's not my tempo. Yeah. Again, um, that's crazy. So they just made him eat cheese sandwiches. That's yeah. such a funny torture. Well, he also was a... He's uh, just so constipated the whole movie. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> He's lactose intolerant. No more bathroom breaks, Jack. <laughs> another, eat another cheese sandwich. <laughs> All, all diapers and no bathroom make Jack a double. Makes Jack a... <laughs> so he, uh, there, there's a scene where he chops down the door, yeah. right, with the fireman's axe. And the prop department created a fake door for him so to make it easier to break through. He was a volunteer fireman. So he was busting through that door in like two or three hacks. So then they had yeah. to go back to a normal door and they had to like, maybe try your other hand, you know, because he was actually really He's good, too at, good it. at it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There's a scene on, or you can go on YouTube. It's um, it's him getting in character for doing that scene. Yeah. And he's pacing around with the axe like a madman. Yeah. And then like Stanley Kubrick running around and they shot that whole movie and the kid who's in it had no idea it was a horror film. I feel like maybe I heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, There's like they're like run and hide and cover your ears, and he's like, okay, huh? Yeah. yeah. And didn't Stephen King hate the adaptation? Like he really didn't think it was true to the story. Yeah, that his, he wrote. So I'm a huge Stephen King guy. I yeah. love him. Um, my in-laws have a house in Florida, um, and it's a stone's throw away from Stephen King's house. Like I know where he lives. I know the cool. Chinese restaurant he goes to. I hang out there trying to meet him one day. Yeah. Um, I have a t-shirt that says Stephen King rules. I might be wearing it when I meet him. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Stephen King guy. Stephen King, when he talks about that movie, he says it's like a beautiful car with no engine. It doesn't get to the point of the story, but it's beautifully mm. shot. Talking yeah. about meaning, like Stephen King has the same approach about horror. Like he doesn't consider himself a horror writer. He's a writer that uses hor- horrific elements to keep his audience's attention. You yeah, know. to tell a deeper story. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Th- but he also did, a, you know, in his heyday, he did a lot of drugs and there's stories he doesn't remember. Yeah, like Cujo. I heard that. He doesn't remember riding Cujo at all. That's crazy. Whoa. Yeah. The joke is he walked by a bookstore and there's a big display with his name and it said Cujo. And he's like, what's a Cujo? That's you know? so crazy. Yeah. How much cocaine does it take to forget a novel you wrote? <laughs> well, he... he uh, and not die. <laughs> have you read his book on riding? No, I've uh, read a lot of his books, but I have not read any of his like talking about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, every I know a lot of comedians and a lot of comedic people read it um, because he, it's like the nuts and bolts from an expert of how to do this properly. Yeah, and uh, he talks about um, even giving his own mother's eulogy so high he doesn't remember doing it. Dang. Oh man. But then it's also like, man, how good is he? You know that he can. I know. You know, turn out a story like that. 
he has so many amazing books and so many movies that I love that I then I realize, oh, that's based on a Stephen King novel. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Like, it's nuts. Well, that's what I do in my class, too, is, um, you know, the first week I talk about Stephen King and I, and I you know, I, I say, like, a lot of people just attach him to horror, The Shining, It. Right. But then you have Stand By Me, you have Green Mile, you have um, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. One of the people say it's one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've spent some time... Um, on death row and the movie that everybody talks about is uh green mile like yeah the guys on death row love that movie the the chaplains who serve the guys on death row love that movie like it's the perfect depiction it's not horror yeah. but um he he nails it he's i think he's one of the best living american writers best american writers of all time hmm. that's awesome that makes me feel so good for how much time i've i took to read it <laughs> i finally finished it like a couple weeks ago that one's it's a brutal giant. book yeah it's a lot. It's a lot of character development, but it's good. The Shining um, is one of my favorite movies for sure, and Green Mile is one of my favorite. That's a great one too. They're so good. Yeah, I feel like I have to ask you now that you're a Stephen King fan. The scene in the book that obviously didn't make the movies yeah. of the child orgy. Hmm. What is the deal with that? You know, so it's it's a wonder Stephen King hasn't gotten like canceled or whatever because yeah. that's not the only depiction of like weird stuff with kids. Um, I went through. Like with Stephen King, you just have to stop as soon as you get like a knee-jerk reaction. Like this story is not for me. Um, it was uh, it's one about like the devil going into town and having this shop. I forget the name of it, but um, you basically you, you it's like a perfect artifact for you. And the main character was this boy, and he he found a baseball that this guy was selling, and it was signed by his favorite player, Mickey Mantle. I believe it was Mickey Mantle. And then he looked closer and actually said to the boy, like to his, to his name signed by Mickey Mantle. So he's, he wanted it. And the guy was like, take it. It's free. And what you do is you actually sell your soul for it. Um, but then there was a weird, weird depiction of him with his, with his teacher, uh, like weird sex thing. So it was only a dream, but like, as soon as I came across that, I was like, well, I'm out. Yeah. This is not good. Well, he puts the child thing and the it in like the last hundred pages, and you're already like eleven hundred pages deep. You're like, all right, I guess I gotta get through this. But Endings are it's hard. so strange. Yeah, yeah, but um, overall, I love it. But writing. in but not including child orgies, easy. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so easy just to not do that. Yeah, but um, well, well, how many more? I would. Can we knock out a couple more? Yeah, before we're done. Yeah, trivia. Yeah, I love it. It's fun. All right, all right. And then I, I have at least one more question after okay. that. Um, I think I have one more left. Nice. Uh, Andrew can't can't end it on Andrew getting it right. I feel like you're. I feel like <laughs> you're going to get this one immediately. Right. Um, so I'll start with the second piece. Second highest grossing film that year behind Star Wars Episode One. Okay. And Donnie Wahlberg lost nearly fifty pounds for his role. Oh, what is Donnie Wahlberg in? Uh, is this a trick question? No. You want the year? Well, Phantom Menace. It said like 2002. It's 99. 99. Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, 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 Sixth Sense. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that oh, was him. Who is he in it? He's the very he's the guy at the beginning that shoots Bruce Willis. Oh, wow. I forgot that was him. Yeah, that's no. crazy. Cuz he's in some of the Saw movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so wow. he's the cop. So that's why I was like that's well, why I was like wait, was it Saw? Yeah. He's, he's in, a great he's actor. In Saw too. Yeah. yeah. Sixth Sense was probably one of the first horror movies I ever saw. That's kind of I love that movie. That's a great film. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a great one. We need to get out of here. Okay, it's crazy. Sorry. 
Um, one thing I just feel like I have to ask, um, I've always heard that comedy and horror have so many of the same techniques and there's a lot of parallels between the two. Talk, talk about that for a second. Cause I've always liked the idea of that, that both are building tension and releasing tension, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more to it than that. There's really not. I mean, um, the stories themselves are looking for one's particular emotional response, uh, horror, fear, uh, you know, screaming possibly. And then comedy is laughter. If you don't get that specific emotional response when you're supposed to get it in like the correct way, you know, because when some people bomb, they still get laughs. Yeah, for the wrong reason. Right. Yeah. Um, like Norm MacDonald talks about it. He says like comedy is always a surprise, right? Because it's either you surprise the audience by making a connection, they laugh, or the joke teller is surprised that the audience, uh, that the joke doesn't work. Yeah. And horror is the same way. Um, it's always a surprise because one, you're supposed to be shocked. And when you're not shocked or when you're dealing with suspense for too long, um, you break automatically. Uh, like Hitchcock made this film called Rope. And his whole depiction in this film, what he wanted to do, because he was the master of suspense, is he wanted to do one long uh, movie that was just building up to uh, the final scene. Like um, it looked like one shot, kind of like 1917. Uh, and he, but he never, he never wanted the tension to break. It was just a build up to like a climactic moment and it failed. Um, because what happens is you can't feel tense or pressure for an extended amount of time and people were laughing. It just felt yeah. so uncomfortable. They mm-hmm. would just start to laugh. Yeah. Um, he was talking with, uh, forget the French filmmaker about it, but they were talking about like why that didn't work. And like, there were still some successful elements within that film. Um, but within horror and, uh, comedy, it's it's really the same idea. You're just looking for a different emotional response. You can even actually talk about similar things. You kind of draw in the same... You draw in very similar types of people to to the format, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, you know, go at you guys at all, but, like, I've, I've seen open mics a lot. Um, you can typically see, like, the... There's a couple different reasons why people get up on stage, right? One, they see this as an art form, they want to perform. And then there's another type where it's like, this stranger needs people to like them. Yeah. Right. And there's some, there's something else going on with that individual. Um, And you can kind of see a parallel with that of people who like dive into horror for the wrong reasons or dive into like really dark things for the wrong reasons. Um, There's something else going on. And so it's, it's, you know, it's good to look out for that kind of thing. Yeah. You're, you're spot on with that at open mics. If anybody wants to see just the spectrum of crazy, go to your local open mic. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like Marilyn Manson, mm. who that's someone that I was terrified of growing up, yeah. you know, growing up in the church. Then I got to really like him, like seeing interviews about how he was poking at the people getting scared and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah. he's actually pretty brilliant. And then find out the last few years, he actually was as dark as he appeared to be. And it was like, sadistic and brutal and a abuser and so it's weird so people hide in plain sight you know sometimes it's the nun or the catholic lady you're talking about who does that yeah sometimes people really are that dark well alice cooper too right like um he was actually a really strong christian his dad was a pastor um when talking about marilyn manson he said uh, man i wish i had thought of uh, playing rock music and wearing makeup right (laughs) but like he you know it's it's this idea like some people are doing it for the right reasons some people are doing it for the wrong ones yeah you you gotta and that's why i always look at the storyteller right when it comes to horror movies or horror stories it's like what are they really trying to accomplish if it is just putting gore on film 
like there there's going to be an audience for it mm. but does it hold like any weight um and a lot of people who aren't fans of the genre say there's no value to it whatsoever like they just consider it all gratuitous violence but there's a reason why we have the phrase gratuitous because there's some violence that's actually important to depict mm. um, if you said no violence you would have to say well that opening scene from saving private ryan was without value Everybody knows why that scene is valuable. And that's why when you watch it, you say every high schooler needs to watch this movie before they sign up for the military. Yeah. Right? Not because it's false, not because it's gratuitous, because it's true. It's real. And that's what horror can do too. Man. I have a whole new appreciation. Oh, cool. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to try to get on y'all's level. I'm going to ruin my life. <laughs> no. Yeah, we'll, is, we'll give you some homework to watch. Yeah. I feel, yeah, I'm ready. I might, I might try to watch Barbarian. I definitely am going to watch Cabin in the Woods again cool. after uh, after your lecture and uh, try to pay more attention to those kind of archetypes that I probably didn't understand when I watched it for the first time. And Chris Hemsworth's abs. Yeah, and I'll enjoy him more. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. How can people, Daniel, follow along with you? Um, if they are students enroll at Kennesaw, Kennesaw State, they can <laughs> yeah. enroll and take your classes. And uh, what, do you, what do you want people to know about you t- before we end this? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have social media. Um, so I don't really have anything to plug. Rate my professor. Go leave him a rate my professor uh, review. That would be pretty cool. Five stars. You could yeah. say, I'm not a student, but I heard him on a podcast and I wish I was a student. Wow. That would be so, awesome. Yeah. Also leave a review for our podcast while you're at it. Leave interviews. Leave rate my professor and Apple. Um, and man, what a service you do for us. So you don't want people to follow you on social media. Um, if you listen, you know, our last question is what's your email sign off? Do you have like a spooky one? It's usually just sincerely. Sincerely? Yeah. Not a professor. Stop calling me that. I wanted to change it just for this episode. I was like, what should I change it to? So I had something cool. Thanks, ghouls and gals. Yeah. <laughs> Spookily. No. That's a good one. I could Yeah, I could stay creepy, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you guys. Spookily, sincerely, thank you. Awesome.